Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us this day. And hearing of Abraham and the many others who lived by faith in the midst of promises that they did not see fulfilled, that they did not receive as fulfilled in their lives. And yet, by faith they saw your fulfilling of them in the future. We pray for eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to love and minds to understand. You're leading and you're guiding to know you more deeply and to know your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. All of these things we ask through that very same Lord and Savior. Amen. So what creates fear and anxiety in you today? For some of us, it might be the fact that the summer is about to end. School's about to begin once more, right? The seeming drudgery of not having almost endless free time sporadically interrupted here and there is coming to an end. Instead, with school coming, there'll be work and work with sporadic moments of free time. That can create some fear and anxiety in some of us. Kids and parents both alike can have some fear and anxiety with that. Having to get ready for school and the kids having to go to school to do schoolwork. It brings changes in schedulings, changes in routines, and changes in our activities. It's a real thing to think about. But there's also, just within the world around us, greater fears and anxieties. The whole world is full of this. Not only... Are we still dealing with those lingering fears from COVID that have lasted for the last two years plus now? But now we're honestly having to deal with the fallout of all of that. The fallout of the myriad world economies having to be stopped and the recessions that are now in full swing throughout the world. And now on top of that, there's fears of wars between nations. That there are struggles that extend beyond the conflict of the one we know about in Russia and Ukraine. There are ongoing struggles between nations that are coming more and more to the fore. And we must reckon with them in these years to come. But then on top of that, we have our own individual fears and anxieties that are part of our everyday lives. How do we do all these things? How they come to bear upon us? How they affect us? We live with the burden of knowing more than we need to know but also with the burden of not knowing how to react. The burden of not having answers for the things that we can actually affect in our lives. In some ways, we live in a very bleak world. We live in a world of struggle, a world of chaos, but yet, nonetheless, there is amazing things all around us. We, after all, live in what we can be what we can call an age of faith. And the greater scheme of things, we live in a world full of the work of God around us. And our text reminds us of that stark reality of the work of God. That there's someone bigger, there's someone greater, there's someone who is in charge. And even though there is fear and anxiety all around us, that's how it's always been, hasn't it? Haven't there always been tumultuous events surrounding our everyday lives? Reality is much of human history was lived without even knowing about these events. 
People didn't know what was happening on the other side of the world, much less what was happening 100 miles from where they were. Reality is we are overwhelmed with everything around us so much that we forget what is near to us. We get led into forgetting the impact that we have on those around us because we're caught up in greater events that may impact us. But really, most of their impact is in the fear they create in us, in the anxiety that they cause us to feel, that they drive us into. And yet, we live in an age of faith. We live in an age where we have knowledge of the one who is in charge. We live in relationship to the Father, the creator of all things, and his Son, Jesus Christ, the one through whom all things were created, and the Holy Spirit, who brings about the work of the Father and the Son in our lives. We live and walk upon the earth that the very Son of God lived and walked upon. That before Jesus came, that knowledge of the true God was only truly known to a small slice of the world. And that slice of the world was Israel. The God we believe in revealed himself to a single man, Abram, who eventually became the father of a small nation who led his family, his wife, and his extended servants all away from where they were comfortable with to an unknown land because God revealed himself. And it changed the course of history. It changed the course of the world for out of him was that great nation born. And out of that great nation was born the Savior of the world. Out of that great nation is the central location of all supernatural knowledge and inspiration that reshapes everything. And yet, within this age of faith, there is still fear and anxiety. But we have the ability to let go of that fear. We have the ability to let go of that anxiety because we have the opportunity to release it. Because we can follow a God who is making all things new around us. And how is God making all things new around us, you might ask? Well, I think that we hear about that in our very first verse from our gospel lesson. In verse 32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Father's good pleasure is to give to you the gift of the kingdom. The statement doesn't come out of nowhere for Jesus. Right before this, he's been telling the people to not be anxious, to not be fearful, to not worry about what they have, to not worry about where they'll get food, where they'll get clothes, where they'll get shelter. To not worry about those things, because if God takes care of creation itself, all the animals, all the lilies, all of the flowers, will he not take great care of you? And so don't worry about those things, but seek after the kingdom. Pursue the kingdom. And the reason you can pursue the kingdom is this, little flock. The Father's good pleasure is to give it to you. It's not a game of hide and seek. It's not like the kingdom is hidden somewhere and you go looking for it. And if the kingdom knows you're coming, it gets up and moves somewhere else so you can't find it. No, the kingdom is out in the open to be received because it is there to be given. It is there to be given to you by the Father. And that kingdom is God's reign over the hearts and wills and minds of his people. 
He desires to bring us into communion with himself. And in bringing us into that communion, we would know him as he is, as our creator, but also more fully as our redeemer. And why is he the redeemer in his kingdom? He is the redeemer because he has taken that which separated us from himself and he deals with it. He puts it away. That kingdom is where he has dealt with our sin and our lawlessness. And he put it aside through his son. He put it aside so that we could know joy. So that we could know the joy of living in relation to the very one who created and redeemed us. The one who made us in such a way that we were intended to know him. And so he receives us through his son because he wants to. It is the Father's plan to redeem us through His Son, to call us to Himself, to grant us faith, to give us His Word, to give us His Spirit that changes us. He desires to do that. It's not something that He begrudgingly does. He is not a Father who would give us a snake, as we heard last week, when we ask for bread. He's not a Father who gives us a scorpion that looks like an egg when we ask for an egg. He is a Father who gives us that which we need. And he gives us his spirit. And giving us his spirit, he is giving us his kingdom where he rules and reigns and brings blessing and renewal and change to everything. That is what the Lord does. That is what the Father wants to do for us. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom so that we need not fear the anxieties around us. That we need not fear the anxiety within us. Because the kingdom has been given. We pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because it has been given to us. And it is spreading through us. It is spreading through his word. It is spreading through his spirit. Being poured out upon believers. Being poured out upon unbelievers to convert them into believers. And his kingdom is given. <clears throat> So what does Jesus tell his hearers to do this day when he says that the kingdom is the Father's good pleasure to give? So he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. Provide yourself with a treasure that is in heaven that does not fade, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So he says, in response to the reality that the kingdom is freely given to us, sell your possessions. Give away what you have to the needy. Become the kind of people who pour themselves out to others. And in that, you will provide yourself with money bags that don't grow old. You'll provide yourself with treasure in heaven. But heaven's not a faraway place that has nothing to do with us. Heaven is the presence of God himself. Heaven and earth are slowly, will one day completely come together where God's presence will be manifested and absolutely known here in this physical world in a new and glorious way. But right now it's hidden from our eyes, this reality of God's presence, this reality of his angels working around us. And so he says, provide yourself with money bags, with treasure in heaven, so that it doesn't fade away. Set your eyes on seeking the greater good, 
which is God himself. Seek after this God who has given you everything you need. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is your treasure in this moment? Is your treasure pursuing absolute security for yourself? Is your treasure trying to get rid of every bit of fear and anxiety in your life? Or is your treasure that despite lack of security, despite the fear and anxieties around us, it is Jesus, that you look toward Jesus, that you look to him to work in you, to change you, to guide you, to lead you through the hard circumstances of this life. For that is what this life brings to us. The general fallenness of this world, our own general sinfulness will create hardships for ourselves and for others. It creates suffering for us. But yet, Jesus comes alongside us because he has promised to be with us. For the Father gives us his kingdom, he gives us a reign over our hearts, which means he transforms our hearts, which means he gives us his spirit, which means that the spirit is given, Jesus comes to be with us and to dwell in us and to walk with us. And so when our treasure is Jesus, there our heart is, there our heart is turning, there our heart is loving. Because Jesus has loved us and laid hold of us. That is the root and foundation of all of this right here, of this kingdom and this treasure, being Jesus himself. For he lays hold of us. It's not that we go and find him, but that he comes and gets us. The picture of an old pastor trying to teach a young vicar how to understand the nature of salvation. In a story from the Hammer of God, the young pastor, the young vicar says, Oh, I just want you to know I gave my heart to Jesus. And the old pastor looked at him and said, Why would Jesus want your dirty heart? Why would Jesus want that? Here's what happened. Your heart is a rusty tin can sitting on the side of the road, and Jesus came walking along, and with his walking stick, he stabbed it up and said, I'm going to keep that. That's mine now. That is what the kingdom does to us. It takes hold of our rusty tin can hearts and claims them. We now belong to Jesus. He has made us his treasure that he would become our treasure. That is what Jesus does. He gets hold of us in order that we could be sent forth. And this is what leads into this next section that we hear about today. In verses 35 through 40, as Jesus gives us two parables about the coming of the Son of Man. But it's not so much about our work that he's focused on here, but the work of what the Lord is going to do. For the conclusion of this parable about the servants being ready and watching for the Master is that he comes and serves them. That is completely out of character for this culture, for any culture. What master serves his servants? The servants are there to serve the master after he's been at a feast, after he's been on a long trip. They're watching for him to come back in order that they can then respond to his needs, to serve him, to bring him drink, to wash his feet, to do what is needed for him. But here, Jesus says the master, when he sees that his servants have waited for him, when he sees that his servants are up and ready and about their business, he will actually gird himself up as a servant 
and make them sit at his table, and he will feed them, he will bring them drink, he will wash their feet. Blessed are those servants who stay awake. Blessed are those servants who receive the work of the master in their own lives. For servants who are about their work when the master is not around are servants who have received a kindness from their master and thus love their master and want to serve him. Even if it is in moments of hardship, even if it is moments of tiredness, they are waiting up for the master. Yes, they must wait up for him, but yet, here the master rewards them for something deeper, for their ability to be there as he comes up. And so he does something out of character and serves them. He gives of himself to them. Again, the beauty of the kingdom is that God comes to serve us. And in his serving of us, he enables us to serve him. And in our serving of him, we are then going out to serve others. God gives us a kingdom, which is himself, in order that we would be changed and be led forth to love him, to serve him, to go forth in faith. For faith is the foundation of how we act in this world. Jesus lays hold of us and renews our hearts and gives us faith that we can then act. That faith will lead to faithfulness. Faith will lead us to do what God has called us to do. In our colic today, we heard of our desire for the increase of faith, hope, and love. And in order that we might obtain your promises, make us love what you command. <clears throat> That's a sideways reference to St. Augustine in the Confessions. And that's what God giving of this kingdom does to us. The giving of God's kingdom changes our hearts that we might be enabled to love what he has told us to do. Augustine prayed, give what you command and command what you will. Give what you command and command what you will, O God. So we must pray for God to make us love what he commands in order that we can walk by faith in order that we can live the kind of faith out in our lives that we heard about in Hebrews 6 this morning. That we can hear about stepping forward by faith to accomplish the work of God in the world around us. Because the Father's good pleasure is to give us the kingdom, and in giving us that kingdom, He is overcoming the fears and the anxieties around us. He is revealing that He will work all things out, and so between now and his working of all things out, he calls us to live in his kingdom. And in living in his kingdom, he changes us and makes us the kind of people who will be part of the working out of all things. Who will lead and guide and draw people to the Lord that their hearts might be changed by him. And it is that we must draw near to God in the midst of his kingdom as he is drawn near to us. He has made himself known and so we can draw near and be changed and renewed into the, and made into the kind of people who want to do what he has commanded. So St. Augustine said, give what you command and command what you will because you are the source of all that I can do. That is what Augustine is ultimately saying. You are the source of my strength. You are the source of all. You are the one who has given me faith. So give me the faithfulness that goes with that faith. 
Give me the love to do that which you have called me to do. So may we be that kind of people who receive this kingdom as a little flock. And then in receiving that kingdom, live in the kingdom. May we place our hearts before Jesus because he has taken hold of them. May we continue to let him change them. May we continue to let him transform them into the right kind of heart, into a newer and greater heart, a heart that loves, a heart that responds, a heart that goes forth after the Lord, that goes forth in the work of the Lord, because it is a heart that has grown to love what the Lord has commanded. And may we strive forward in that, to pursue the virtue that God has given to us, to pursue the good things that he has placed before us. May we be renewed in mind, heart, and action. May we be renewed by this giving of the kingdom to us. And may through that, these anxieties and these fears that are building up around us, may we see them as what they are. Events that come and go. Events that impact the world, yes. But may we remember that there's one greater above all things who is giving his kingdom in order that the world would be changed more and more. In order that the individuals in this world would be changed more and more because we are united to him through faith. We are united because he comes to reign over us. We are united to him because he gives us his kingdom. And he gives us that kingdom because it is his pleasure to do so. So may we rest and be refreshed in that reality that the kingdom is yours because the Father wants to give it to you this day. And as he gives you that kingdom, may you be changed by that giving. May I be changed by that giving. May we all be renewed and sent forth to do that which he has called us to do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.